What's going on and welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, joined once again by Joel Myers, television voice of your New Orleans Pelicans. Back in the fold, I was out on vacation or I wanted to try to call it a vacation last week as I followed Hurricane Sally into the Gulf. Um, but I am back and I appreciate Joel and Todd Graffinini holding the fort down, talking about the playoffs. That's exactly what we'll do on this Thursday as uh, the Miami Heat expanded their lead to 3-1 to one last night with a win over the Boston Celtics. And tonight, game number four between the Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers, with the Lakers leading two games to one after the Nuggets um, finally was able to get over the hump and beat the Lakers the other night. Uh, Joel, we'll start with that uh, with that series there between the Nuggets and the Lakers. And I know it's 2-1 Lakers, but you know a couple things. You take out the Anthony Davis get, game winner, and this could easily be 2-1 in favor of the Denver Nuggets going into tonight. Yeah, absolutely, Daniel. And uh, the Lakers have to feel fortunate, very fortunate, that AD got that wing three. And if you notice, Mason Plumley was not on the floor all that much last game. In fact, he only was on the floor for four minutes because he had the breakdown. Nobody could understand what he was doing defensively uh, on a switch with only 2.1 to play. And maybe there was uh, some guidance where they talked to each other, but they didn't communicate all that well uh, because Jeremy Grant didn't see a switch. In fact, he had locked up LeBron. LeBron wasn't moving on the play. So Lakers got a clean look, and and it was strange the way things went in game three. When's the last time you've seen a guy play that many minutes like Anthony Davis and not have a rebound through three quarters of play? So AD was on the floor, and they can't live without him. He had 27 points on 17 shots, so he was really efficient, 9 of 17 Overall, even though he's just over for four on his threes in game three, but it was hard to believe he didn't have any rebounds and only finished with two rebounds for the game. Now, there have been uh, stories that I've read over the last 24 hours where Frank Vogel has sent things to the league while LeBron's not getting to the free throw line as often. So let's see how that develops tonight in game four. LeBron only went to the free throw line for two attempts in the last game. Let's see if there's a big difference in that. If that behind the scenes, uh, what you want to call it politicking or whatever it might be, lobbying for LeBron. LeBron got away, as you watched in the first couple of games, with a bunch of charges they didn't call, where he obviously he only had one foul in 38 minutes of play last game. That's pretty clean. So they don't call a charge, but at the same time, he's complaining that LeBron is not getting calls you know, from the Denver Nuggets, it's real interesting. The biggest difference in that game was 44-25 on the glass Denver. Denver outworked him on the glass completely. It was 9-4 to on the offensive boards. And there's a lot of things to like about what Denver was doing. So to go up by 20. Now, they crumbled under the pressure. They sure did. That run that took it all the way down to three. But at the same time, we've seen them respond before. So hopefully we get a long series out of it because we want games. I want Boston to come back. We want six, seven game series every step of the way in both conference finals. But I thought it was interesting in reading the columns over the last couple of days about Frank Vogel saying LeBron's not getting to the free throw line enough. Well, they're not calling charges on LeBron either, are they? No, and uh, that'll certainly be interesting tonight. I'm glad you brought that up. Another thing that's kind of caught my eye and a lot of people talk about, everyone knows the dynamic of LeBron James and Anthony Davis for the Lakers. And we, we talk about maybe the Nuggets could be up 2-1 with just a different play there at the end with Anthony Davis's game winner. But do the Lakers still need a third guy 
to potentially get them over the hump? Are AD and LeBron enough that you get them past this round into the NBA Finals, or do they need someone else to step up in this situation, someone consistently like a, a Kyle Kuzma or a Danny Green? Or are they still missing that piece, or they can, can they survive with, with just relying on LeBron and Anthony Davis? Yeah, they can survive. They're both all NBA. They're two top five guys. So they can survive. What you do is you take two guys and combine them into one guy. So like last game, Caldwell Pope had 12 points on five of eight and hit two of five from beyond the arc. And combine that with Kyle Kuzma, who was four of seven off the bench. And you get 23 points combined on 15 shots out of those two guys. So yeah, they can survive. Because AD, as we know, and he was averaging 30-31 a game, and he got 27 last game. He can go off. LeBron can absolutely go off. So they need a combination. So it can be like a half a guy and a half a guy. They don't need one guy to dominate. And like the last game, Jeremy Grant, that was an out-of-body experience for him. That's not what the Lakers need. They just need other guys into double figures, into 10, 12, 14 points. And, and a couple of those guys are enough for the Lakers. With the Denver Nuggets, though, they need to get more out of Gary Harris. He's got fresh legs. He didn't play until the last round. And he looked really, really sharp in the last round, clean. And he was, he was a pick-me-up because he was so fast and, and moving off the ball so well. So they need more in 33 minutes last game. Gary Harris gave him seven points. Gary Harris is a much better player than that. So that's got to be the guy that steps up for the Denver Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr., he's been efficient enough. Monte Morris, he was phenomenal off the bench last he game. Was. But when it comes to the starters, Jokic and Murray are going to – they're the knowns. Jeremy Grant, you're not getting 26. It'd be nice if he did, but – it, it's not going to happen when he's 7 of 11. He's not going to go to the free throw line as often, 10 of 12. We know that after Frank Vogel is, you know, working behind the scenes and let's even things up at the free throw line. Although the disparity in free throws wasn't that great. It was 29 for Denver and 22 for the Lakers. And that's not a big deal, especially for a team that at one point, you know, plus seven on free throw attempts, well, they were up by 20 points of the game and they dominated on the glass. Right. Or plus 19 on the glass. So the – they need more out of Gary Harris. Porter Jr., unfortunately, he's not forcing it, but he could get more shots up too. And he looks pretty good from the outside. Yeah, he certainly does. And, of course, we have to talk about Jamal Murray because it's been an amazing difference between last year's playoffs and this year's playoffs with him. I think a lot of people will say maybe still a little bit of an inconsistency there, but it was a lot better this year uh, than last year. But, you know, he made that big shot at the end to really seal the deal uh, for the Denver Nuggets. What have you seen from him in this series or even just in the playoffs? What have you liked about his game that is he's been so important to the Nuggets getting to this point right now? Well, he hasn't had to be the lead guy because it's Jokic. He is a point center for them. So they've taken some of the pressure off Jamal Murray. During the regular season, he brings it up a lot and he initiates offense a lot. Uh, but in this sequence, a lot of times at the end of the shot clock, if it's not Jokic, it's going to be Murray, and he wants it. There's a big difference. Remember, he's only 23 years of age. He was taken seventh overall, as we all know, in New Orleans. Don't yes, we do. <laughs> so, and he's a really bright, articulate young guy who gets it. He's growing before our very eyes. So the one thing is, and he's expending a great deal of energy. You can see it because, like last game, they played him 44 minutes. He's playing a ton of minutes for them. Jokic played 37 and a half, but it's Jamal Murray who's been the glue guy 
on the floor. But he's off the ball for the most part, and he's not forcing things. He took 17 shots, but he made 10 of them. So that's a healthy situation where you have shot distribution balance. You don't have one guy like LeBron and AD. LeBron took 23, AD took 17. So they took 40 of the 83 shots for the Lakers last game. But there's better shot distribution with the Denver Nuggets. And, and that has a lot to do with Jamal Murray getting everybody involved. It's, he's not dominating the basketball. Uh, it ends in his hands, so there's some percentage busters in there at the end of the shot clock, but he's just grown a great deal. There's a confidence factor you can see. He's really grown in the last 12 months. He's a mature young man is what it boils down to. When we talk about confidence, I want to switch over to the Eastern Conference. You look at Tyler Hero last night, the confidence he has in his game as a 20-year-old rookie out of Kentucky who played lights out yesterday. It's really fun to watch him play and also that Miami Heat team. You talk about balance when they get contributions from Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson um, struggled yesterday trying to get open and get some shots, but he's been a big help to them getting to where they are now. Are you a little surprised that you're seeing Miami of 3-1 at this point right now? Yes, yeah, surprised, but not devastated by it because Miami's got so much talent now. You know, we, we can get into Bam out of aisle. To give you perspective on what Tyler Hero did with the 37 points, the last guy as a 20-year-old to score that many in a playoff game, it was 1980. He had 42 in a clinching win. And his name is Magic Johnson. And it was he turned out to be okay. Finals <laughs> against the Philadelphia 76ers. So that gives you an idea, the, the rarefied error that Tyler Hero, 13th overall this year, put himself in. But, you know, Jimmy Butler, real early, and if you picked up on it early in the season, and it seems like we're two years in, <laughs> doesn't seem like the yeah. same season. Jimmy Butler took him under his wing because he saw the work ethic of Tyler Hero. And that has paid dividends. So uh, Bam Adebayo, another Kentucky guy, like Hero, who only played. It's funny that he went 13th overall in Bam, 14th overall the year before. But it's kind of or a couple of years earlier. But it's, it's funny to me that everybody preaches you need more shooting. But all those teams in front, and maybe not the first two or three teams in the lottery. But as everybody complains, we don't have enough shooting, they let Tyler Hero go to 13. And he yeah. comes to Miami's lap, similar to another guy that played only a year at Kentucky, Devin Booker. He was right. 13th overall. And oh, by the way, Donovan Mitchell, he was 13th overall. And oh, by the way, <laughs> where did the Falcons pick this year, Daniel? 13th overall. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> hopefully the same result. I like but the I, trend. He's got, a, he's got a, a confidence, an air about him on the floor, even when he sends up a brick. And he has because he's taking deep shots, but he still launches. He still continues. So the line on hero, 14 of 21 in 36 minutes, five of 10. Now this is off the bench with 37 points, six boards and three assists, but it's between the ears. He's got the stroke, but he's taken it to the next level in the postseason because he feels that strongly about what he's doing. He is that confident in his own ability. And that's what Jimmy Butler and I read stories throughout the course of the year where Jimmy Butler was saying, just watch, you'll see this guy's incredible. He is working his tail off. He's putting in the extra time. He's right. 20 year old Tyler hero is the real deal. There's no question. And give the guys, Andy Ellsberg, Pat Riley and their, their player evaluation staff 
for picking up on those guys and what they've done. And we've talked about it before. What Miami has done with that young core, they've only added Jimmy Butler. They have been sensational at putting together this team because they made mistakes before in some of their free agent signings like Deion Waiters, things that didn't pan out. But now they've gone back to developing their own. Yeah, and you mentioned Bam Adebayo. You wanted to talk about him, so let's talk about him. Hopefully he's going to be okay with that wrist injury that he had um, last night against the Celtics. But, boy, just him having an impact on the on the team with not only his shooting ability but his passing ability. Also, we know what he can do on the defensive end, rebounding and blocking shots. It just seems like, I mean, that could be very intriguing if we do see a Lakers and Heat NBA Finals, how Bam Adebayo matching up in an Anthony Davis situation um, – could be very interesting, but Bam Adebayo to this team, we talk about same with Tyler Hero. These young guys have been really stepping up, and, you know, for such a young team handling the situation in the bubble nonetheless, you know, you've seen a lot of people talk about how difficult mentally it's been for guys to focus on basketball in the bubble with everything else going on and being there. I mean, these teams have been there since early July. We're almost in October now. Um, to see a young team like Miami be so mentally tough, I feel like that starts with everyone talks about the heat culture. People talk about Jimmy Butler, but for some of these young guys like Bam Adebayo, um, it's been really fun to watch these guys really succeed at so young at their age. Well, and he's if there eventually is a matchup between Miami and the Lakers, and we don't know what Denver's going to do. Denver has been the surprise so far. Right. Did the Clippers an extreme surprise? The other surprise was they they were three one down to Utah to begin with. Nobody thought that was going to happen. <laughs> back so we can't underestimate Denver uh, but if it is a Bam Adebayo with Anthony Davis they're going to play another big because Bam is not going to mind getting into Anthony Davis and getting physical Bam Adebayo reminds me and he's, his, his offensive skill set is not as refined as another young man who came well he was a native Floridian and he came out of high school out of Orlando and that's Amari Stoudemire when he came into the Phoenix Suns fold with Steve Nash setting things up. So they're similar because they're so athletic. They're so quick and they can get up and down the floor so well. Uh, but Amari had the face up jumper early. They finish around the rim really well, the same way. Bam can run like Amari. That's what he's got going for him. He can get up and down the floor. He's a great athlete. Uh, the face up game is developing though. You can see it with the 12 and 14 footer. He feels more comfortable the little jumper in the paint where Amari didn't mind going out to the free throw line 16, 18 feet away. Uh, but I see them early in their careers, and Amari was ahead of where Bam is, but they're that kind of athlete, similar type of athletes that will run. They can get into the transition game. They can handle the ball. They can help you outside a little bit. So, and out of Iowa, 41 minutes, 7 of 11 last game, hit his free throw, 6 of 8, uh, 20 points, 12 boards, 3 at the offensive end. Sets a good pick. He doesn't mind. He's a willing passer. He had a couple of – he had actually – what did he have? Four assists last game. So, I, I like what they're doing with Bam Adebayo in particular. Now, he's going to be maxed out. You, you know, he's coming up on a contract situation. They're going to keep Bam Adebayo. There's no question about that. So, in Hero, he's just a rookie. Goran Dragic, 35 now, and he came up big down the stretch for them. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see the development of Miami. They gave Jimmy a four-year contract, Jimmy Butler. You need veteran voices, and, and that's a very serious, imposing presence in a locker room. Jimmy Butler, no-nonsense guys. We found out, ask the guys in Minneapolis. Right. 
Philadelphia made a mistake. Philadelphia could have had him, but they went and gave Al Horford four years, and they're regretting it right now. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the veteran presence in that locker room. You have Adonis Haslam that doesn't play, but it's also that uh, off that voice in the locker room. And also keep in mind Andre Iguodala, you know, with all his NBA Finals experience as well, has certainly been helpful in that category. I want to focus on the Celtics for just a second and ask you about Gordon Hayward and how he has impacted this series. If he plays in games one and two, how different is this series right now? Well, they probably don't give it away as much. You see, Boston's beating themselves. In game two, they were outscored 26 to 10. In a close game, 26 to 10 in points off turnovers. Now, when I say they're beating themselves, Miami has something to do with it. But they're also unforced errors, and we've seen them. They're, they're not taking care of the basketball. In fact, last night's game, 19 turnovers for Boston compared to only eight for Miami. Every possession in the postseason is so critical, and you can't be cavalier with the basketball. In fact, in a close game, in a game that went down to the wire, once again, it was 17-9. to nine. Miami was a plus eight in a close game in points off turnovers. So in at least two, if not three, of the four games, Miami has made Boston pay for every transgression. So Boston, they look at themselves, and, and Jason Tatum's not going to go 0 for 6 and go scoreless in a half like he did, mm. but they can't afford to do it on the biggest stage in the conference finals. So uh, Boston, they can come back. They have enough talent to come back. But right now, they're just loose with the basketball. Kemba is not as efficient. He had 20 points last game, but he was only 6 of 14 for, uh, overall in shooting. Marcus Smart, 1 of 8 from 3. 3 of 12 shooting in the last game. So, but you go back to Gordon Hayward. Yeah, he could have made a difference. There's no question about that. And we congratulate him because he's got a son now. His yeah. fourth son, we just learned, uh, is a baby boy, which is just great. And we're happy for him and his wife. Uh, but they can come back. Boston is that good. Boston is that deep. But it's going to be difficult because Miami is not beating themselves. The, Miami has not had, they've had two, three games now. Before this one, 13, 11, and 11 turnovers and eight in the game last night. That's as good as it gets. You're not beating yourself. You're playing playoff basketball. Every possession means a great deal. Before we transition into uh, the coaching situation going on around the league with the hiring of Billy Donovan in Chicago, I do have to ask, since you're big in the fashion like I am, uh, you think the blue polos worn by the Boston Celtics last night with their coaches, did that cost them the game? Because I was trying to figure out for the longest time while the Boston Celtics wore some <laughs> royal blue polos, um, and I realized there is a small Celtics logo on the sleeve, but I know you were dying to know the answer just as much as I am of why those coaches were wearing it. Do you think that had something to do with the loss last night? You know, inquiring minds obviously want to know, and mine is not among those. I'm <laughs> such a fashion icon to begin with. They were oblivious to me. And I was just focused on the, the lack of, of, of rhythm in Boston in certain points of that game. They've got a great coach, though. They really do. Brad Stevens is a really good coach. Uh, but they're not executing right now. They're playing catch-up. all Every time they look like they're ready – to take and the next step and get a five, six, eight point lead, they give it away or they make a super mistake in a half court or, or it's a low percentage look or a shot that they didn't have to take early in the shot clock. So uh, they got a good coach, but the coach's shirts, I <laughs> don't. 
don't think they had much to do with it. Okay. Well, uh, if anyone, if the listeners could see what we're wearing now, you can tell that we are fashion icons. Um, you know, Daniel, I'm not going to try to argue with a sick mind here. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Let's go to the coaching carousel before we wrap things up here. There's still uh, some availabilities. You have Philadelphia, you have Houston, you have the Indiana Pacers, you have the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, but one position that has been filled is the Chicago Bulls. And I feel like you probably will agree with this. It kind of came out of nowhere, Joel. You know, usually we hear links to who interviewed, what the process would be like, who they're going to reach out to. And all of a sudden, you get that Woj bomb a couple days ago. Billy Donovan is the new head coach in Chicago. And, of course, we saw that it was a mutual agreement for him and the Oklahoma State Thunder to part ways. It felt like the thun- they- Billy was trying to avoid maybe a potential rebuild in Oklahoma City. But this was an interesting pairing, I thought, between Billy Donovan and the Chicago Bulls. What do you think when you heard the news that Billy the Kid was heading to Chi-Town? Exceptional decision by the new front office there. Because they've got a coach who succeeded at every level. And a guy that played at a high level. A lot of people forget he played for Rick Pitino at Providence. Mm -hmm. A lot of people forget that he paid his dues. He was an assistant coach in college. And then uh, he became a head coach in college before Florida. Uh, don't forget. And then went to Florida and won back-to-back titles. As Joe Kim Noah said, what a great hire. And he's not objective. He said, he's family to me. He's a family member. Uh, he's got a unique relationship, and I've been lucky. that I've been very fortunate. I've been to Oklahoma City a couple of times for Sirius XM preview shows, where I've sat down with Billy for 20, 30 minutes. And, and we've had good discussions. A uh, bright, articulate guy. Really sharp and a good communicator. Ask Shea Gilgis Alexander how he liked working with Billy Donovan, a young player in his second season this year, who had a real breakthrough season. We knew he was going to be good, Nikhil's cousin. Uh, but he had a he had an outstanding year under Billy Donovan. So it all makes sense, doesn't it, Daniel? He worked with college guys to begin with, won a national championship because he could communicate with young men. And now he goes to a place with Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen, who is underdeveloped as far as I'm concerned and has a ton of talent as a stretch four. Uh, tougher and a better handle than I thought when he came into the league. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., solid player. Going to be a good rebounder. A nice, even though he's an undersized post, he can play. And go down to Kobe White. We saw what he could do in his rookie season. Chris Dunn looking for a new contract. A good, good lengthy defender. He needs to work on his offensive game. The Chicago Bulls are very similar to the Pels, where Levine is maybe ahead of a couple of the Pels because he's got more experience. He's been around longer, but he's a bona fide big-time scorer. He is an awesome scorer in the NBA. We know that. Now, the complete game, that's yet to be determined. But Zach Levine can play. He's a gifted, gifted guy. So I think it's a great hire. And Billy Donovan is going to be a glue guy for them because they have maybe been the most underachieving team in the NBA with that much young talent. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be curious to see if they make that jump next year into the playoffs as one of those lower seeds. It'll be interesting to see how that shapes in the Eastern Conference. And, of course, we'll figure out hopefully soon uh, what will happen with the Pelicans and all these other jobs is that Billy Donovan hire kind of has a trickle-down effect on who may be available now. Uh, for the other teams so uh, we hope to see them in person next year the Chicago Bulls we hope to see the New Orleans Pelicans and Joel I hope to see you soon as uh, we keep doing the zoom thing and you know one of these days we'll have to get together um, and watch some basketball but it's always great getting your insight on the NBA playoffs and uh, I say we do this again next week what do you say 
Let's do it next week as we get ready for the finals. And who is it going to be? It's going to be interesting, but I hope both series are extended. Put it that way. I do believe Denver and the Lakers could be extended. Don't know. Miami's got a lot of momentum right now. And, and Boston continues to make mistakes. And against a good team and a deep team like Miami, I don't know if they can come back from those mistakes. I'm also curious about the atmosphere because there's always some kind of, you know, it's always a, an event when you talk about the finals and, you know, when you have fans and you're traveling to these cities and you're not going to have that this year. I'm just curious as how, what the NBA is going to do and, and how it's going to look, if it's just going to be the same thing as we have been seeing, but I feel like it's going to be an NBA finals unlike any other, no matter what teams are in it. We're never ever hopefully going to have a finals like this again, because we need everybody in the building. It, it's, it's strange time for all of us, but at the same time, it has neutralized everything. So nobody has a clear-cut advantage. Everything, it's even. <laughs> it's a yeah. neutral site. And I saw Mark Stein's column in the New York Times and, and some of the other guys that have talked about the road team winning most of the time at this neutral site. So it means nothing, but it does mean a great deal to the players. You can see the teams that are, are uniquely bonded together that are supporting each other, regardless of whether that guy succeeding on the floor is taking away some of that guy's potential minutes. So I like what I'm watching, but at the same time, I never, ever want to see it again. I agree. And Joel and I definitely agree. And at SeatGeek as well, they can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Pelicans and sing along to our favorite songs again and miss going to concerts as well. They're also using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy well, easier. Plus, every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. Of course, SeatGeek is the presenting sponsor of the Pelicans podcast, and we will have one for you next week as we will talk about the NBA Finals. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then? And we certainly appreciate you listening, and we certainly appreciate Joel stopping by again television voice of your new orleans pelicans joel as always uh we'll talk to you next week and uh we appreciate the insight thank you daniel look forward to next week all right until then i'm daniel salerson thanks for listening to the pelicans podcast presented by seeking